You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit City of Champions. Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. We are diving deep into the 1935 season and all the things around it. The Lions, the Tigers, the Red Wings, 30 other championships, a trilogy of books written by an incredible guy. Oh, that's awful nice of you to say. Charles Avison. Charles, I'm Jamie Flanagan, and uh, we're just going to have some fun. Charles, i got to tell you, uh, Matt Fox is over there running the board. I'm pushing buttons. And uh, the highlight of my week uh, used to be um, Tuesdays and, and having some <laughs> bourbon with, with Matt on our show, The Man Cave Happy Hour. I've been replaced. Now I have two highlights. Yeah, nice. Now I have two highlights of my week. Because um, Matt's still here. Uh, he's like a bad hangnagel. He's still he won't drinking go some bourbon, too. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no. So it's uh, it's I really look forward to this. Yeah, um, me too. I love it. You're you're a great. You you've collected a, an amazing collection of stories to be super redundant, and I just I'm enjoying enjoying unfolded because I I know nothing about nothing about nothing about sports and I and I because once or twice you kind of like scolded me a little bit and you're like oh did that sound harsh and I'm like no because I you know I'm saying dumb stuff because I don't know what I'm talking about so I, I appreciate well, last the week lessons. I feel I do I you know I felt I was I got sometimes <laughs> no. I can get intense that's it, one yeah. of the things where no I can oh. I can definitely but people you, that know me anyway that's watching the show that knows me yeah like sometimes I'll go you know I'll I'll uh, there'll be something that uh, I'll get I guess you say like triggered <laughs> but, <laughs> like but you're passionate like, yeah there's no <laughs> There's now heaven or hell get a hold me oh, back from making that point or whatever. You stepped I'm on to make. that yeah. crack there. So, but uh, yeah, so we're gonna keep our eye on the uh, on the chat room. So if anybody is uh, joining us live on Facebook, because we throw this up live on Facebook, uh, feel free to comment, make a comment, yeah, uh, comment during the show. We'll say say hi and everything. And then yeah, yeah and afterwards uh, we try to we try to go back and watch that people comment yeah. on the videos as they go up on YouTube and uh, up on the social medias. So we appreciate you listening, taking the time, giving us a listen. If you're listening it somewhere, um, watching it on YouTube. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button. That yeah, comments, be, uh, likes, everything. If you like the show, it really helps to comment and share and you know, send it, you know, send the link to friends or whatever and uh you know, just every everything like helps because you know, like I say, that's we're trying to bring back this, you know, this forgotten story that yeah. is you know, the whole thing, you know, the overall show is about the about the story itself, but there's as we've shown, I mean, we're we're on episode thirteen right now, right? And it's, like we haven't even dented it. I mean, I we haven't even put put a dent in this thing. And it's like, and I've actually been trying to summarize each of these components. You know, we've been trying to, um, you know, kind of, I mean, we've, we've kind of rushed through a little bit of it. Yeah. We could have done twenty or thirty episodes on just the Tigers, yeah. just their and, and we will. We can go back. Yeah, and, we will. We will. Sure. You know, I mean, we're not going to run out of stuff. Yeah. So, no. No. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's almost. I mean, it literally is endless. I mean, there's. Um, and you can just see from you know a lot of these stories that I mean it just it's such a there's it goes so deep like yeah. with the different people like each of these people have stories each of the uh, teams has stories um, and you and there's just so so much to really dive into and I mean as we're talking about with Potsy Clark today yeah. um, this is episode three of Potsy Clark the yeah. coach of the Lions yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we haven't even what, gotten to Detroit yet and we, yeah and there's one <laughs> yeah we haven't even gotten to Detroit and and we're not and we're not even going to be finished with Potsy this week we're going to be doing one more episode at least on him mm-hmm. uh, because he's just such an important uh, figure and so but yeah I just I'm just really excited because. 
Um, you know, I've done the way I've been presenting the story for the longest time has been just like when I do art shows or I'll do, I've done a lot of library talks or uh, we do a presentation every year at the Detroit historical museum um, on April 18th for champions day. Yeah. And so I do a lot of stuff like that. And a lot of times it's like, you know, maybe a half hour, maybe an hour sometimes I talk, but it's, it's usually just, uh, it's there's, as you can see, there's so much information. It's always got to be condensed into whether it's a two minute pitch to sell a book or a 20 minute thing for a quick you know slot for some kind of a, you know, a series of, you know, sports talks or whatever, but it's always got to be something that I've got to condense everything in yeah. such a small amount of time. And so that's why, like, I love this show because it really is a chance to explore all kinds of different stuff. And, um, you know, there's, and there's so much to explore. And that's what we want to do. But, uh, cause you said we kind of rushed through the, the tigers a little bit and I, I look forward to revisiting some oh, of those we will. stories yeah, yeah. and just kind of rolling around, you know, on a, on a, you know, a holiday or an anniversary, sure. um, you know, a landmark date, uh, in the, in the, you know, on the calendar for, for yeah. the Tigers We're or whatever. We're going to go back and revisit we the players. Guests in. We, yeah, we want to go back and revisit the players. We're going to do a much deeper dive into each of the yeah. players at some point. And yeah, um, so I'm, I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm, and then here, and just to let you know, today is actually the hundredth anniversary of the founding of the NFL. Today. Okay. Today. Oh, t- is it? Yeah. Oh, today see, the there's a more important day. So that's a, so that's a highly appropriate topic. See, we're talking it's about 101, 101 years. Ni- uh, 1920. Uh, so oh, so 100. Yeah. It's I, just, I saw some on the NFL.com today where it popped up saying it was the hundredth anniversary, and it was because I knew it, it's 1920 is when the NFL was founded. Was, okay. Yeah, so there. So today actually. So is as a, of our recording day here in September, yeah, seventeenth, seventeenth, yeah. Constitution Day, yeah. halfway to St. Patrick's. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's how you measure your calendar based <laughs> on the, uh, how far away is, you are from St. Patrick's. I was going to tell you, it's uh, it's it's an important day for me. Yeah, you I'm measure halfway it, like, to St. Patrick's. We every, didn't get St. Patrick's this year. I, I am sucks, so pissed man. up. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I don't go out on St. Patrick's. But day. everything is for you is measured around St. Patrick's. It day, is. Like oh, St. Yeah, Patrick's Day plus thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. St. Patrick's Day minus eighty. Too like, like it's all based on your your calendar is like completely it is. timeline for it's very Saint green yeah. it's, it's very green yeah uh, Stuart Stuart says hey it's gl- glad to hear the big man chatting big about Stu. his passions big Stu what's his last name Dugan uh-huh. big Stu I worked with him up on Mac and Island one of my <laughs> nice. great friends yeah. yeah I was actually on your website uh, w, uh, uh, DetroitCityChampions.com. dot right. there's a lot of information out there yeah um, you know the previous podcasts the shows that you guys have had you know to go back to the beginning of you know this the adventure that you guys are on yeah you know I'm actually starting at one I've been sitting here for every single one of them but I find myself going back to episode one and relearning because there's just so much information that you guys are sharing. I know. So. A, it, it really is. There's so much. And like I said, we've, yeah. we have, you know, the first, I think the first, actually the first few episodes, we did go a little bit of warp speed through some of the stuff, but we will come back for We're just for getting a lot our field too. Yeah, we, no, don't know, we don't know we're, what we're, we're doing. We're going to take our time and go through it. You know, <laughs> and, um, and there's like, there's so many different branches off that we can take too. like talk about these other teams, the Chicago bears of the three. I mean, like, yeah. you know, all this different stuff. Um, like we're going to mention this guy's name's uh, Cliff battles for the Boston Redskins. Uh, his, it, it, now it's the, it was the Washington Redskins, but back then it was the Boston and he's gonna, his name's going to come up. But there, there's guys like Cliff Battles that nobody's ever heard of. And like, listen to his name, Cliff Battles. Yeah. You know, like, that's, and that's not a, that's name. not a, that's and he not was like a... the greatest, he was like a tremendous running back, like a power speed runner, like just awesome. <laughs> and like, his name is Battles, you know, and like, and nobody's ever heard of him, you know, and it's, uh, there's so many different like off, you know, topics that we can do offshoot. But that's why I like about the screenplay for the movie too. Yeah. Is that, you know, I wrote the screenplay for the movie as like a Netflix nine part miniseries. 
And there's so many, like, like I wrote it so that to introduce all these different, or not all, but a ton of different um, characters that the, the lions and the tigers and everybody had to face for, towards the idea of potentially, like, I mean, imagine an uh, entire series where, like, the first, the first season is the City of Champions story. And then you meet all these different characters, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig. Um, you know, Br- Bronco Nagurski and all these different, you know, like the, the Green Bay Packers of this time. Um, and then you start doing offshoot episodes, maybe a one-off episode, maybe a three-part episode, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you focus on all these just ver- various topics from sports history. I just think it would be like the coolest show, like, you know, like a period piece, you yeah. know, like all set in that time. Cause they're, I mean, that, those are some of the most, uh, some of the biggest sports movies ever yeah. are the ones that like conjure nostalgia, you yeah. know, that, that like look back and like, this was, we're going to get to it. This yeah. Cinderella story. Yeah, the Cinderella story is another thing. That, that happened in 1935. It's like a $100 million Hollywood movie. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's just one thing. Like, imagine yeah. an entire series. And that's what, like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so much different stuff. Um, so we're here. We uh, we're, we were with the uh, Spartans in Port- yep. Portsmouth. Um, and they're they're taking names and kicking some butt. Yeah. Um, uh, 33. Thir- so 31, Potsy takes over the Spartans yep. and they re- and they brings in 19 new guys. Yeah. And so he completely cuts with 30 guys off the roster. Thir- right. It's like the big. I've never heard of a team. And then that reduce the guys. reduce the roster. Reduce down the overall to 26 size. On the 20, like yeah, that. 26, 27, and then um and then uh, brought in 19 new players. And then it was we talking about it was uh, nine guys ended up going was with the team in 1934 when they became the Lions. And then it was another. I think it was five. I got to look it back up. But I think it was five that be, that was with them in 1935 when they won the championship. So that was a major overhaul um, in 1931 when he first takes over his first head coaching job as a mm-hmm. professional, and he completely guts this team, completely revamps it, and then hits on all these stars that became like I mean, literally like the the central components of these teams. I mean, for the next you know however many years. So the Tigers win the pennant in 1934. Yeah, but that's a little bit ahead of where we're go- of where we're starting out with this story. Okay, all right. So yeah. I didn't know if that was all right. So that's that, we're still so before th- that. Exactly. All right. So, so where are we coming so in? Ni- so nineteen. So nineteen thirty one. Potsy, you know, re- takes over the Spartans, and immediately the team becomes awesome. Yeah. Um. And it's uh, and so then uh, thirty two. We talked about on last week's show. They were in the uh, nineteen the the first NFL championship mm-hmm. game. That's played a, in a hockey arena. They that's played the, in a hockey. Arena. Is that the Portsmouth Spartans? Portsmouth Spartans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the, so so they're in Portsmouth in the. Portsmouth was like, you know, early NFL history was a lot of uh, smaller, uh, you know, it was really a lot of like Ohio, uh, Midwestern type, you know, you know, um, uh, uh, like Massillon and, and all these different city, towns in, in Ohio. Um, and also like, you know, your small towns like Green Bay. It wasn't like nowadays, it's like all big cities, right. you know, New York and, and Boston and all this. But, um, but uh, back then, like, uh, you know, football, it was like a lot of smaller towns, and Green Bay is a residual of that. They're like the last city that was from that era of like smaller towns that, um, but they were just so successful. They really built up a, a, a fo- like a cult following there. Um, but uh, and it's crazy because if you actually look at like the populations of NFL cities, like you look at the list, it's like seven million. You know, like, like it's like the, their population. I don't even know what it is in Green Bay. It's like I think it's like eight thousand. Okay, or something like really small. But every other city on the list is like seven million, six million, three, five. And Green <laughs> Bay is like six thousand. And then they have the. But then you look at their. The crazy thing is their their attendance per game. It's like been sold out for like every yeah. game. For, All eight thousand, eight hundred thousand of those people are yeah. at the stadium. Yeah, but you know, everybody. <laughs> 
everybody from everywhere around comes to that game, and they sell out. Every, they've had a sellout every year for like I think since the '60s. And like they like you know season tickets are impossible to come. Anyways, um, so yeah, 1930. So 1931, Posse takes over the Spartans, um, and they take they become awesome. And then 1932, the Spartans go to the NFL championship, that first NFL championship game, which leads to massive changes in the NFL because the NFL right, splits into right. two halves so that they yep. can have a championship game every money, year. Money, money, money. Exactly. And so that was you know so it had like a World Series of of football, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the NFL championship and then and all numerous new rules come into play as a result of that. We're not going to go through all of them. You can just look back at the last episode if you want to see all the different rule changes that yeah. came out of it. But it was a significant thing to happen. Yeah. And then in 1933, uh, the Spartans were good, but the but the problem was is that their main their best player, Dutch Clark, and again, Dutch Clark was the elite of the elite in yeah. the NFL. I mean, he was one of the main guys that Potsy discovered in 1931. And Potsy, like, or, I'm sorry, uh, Dutch Clark was like, I mean, he, he wasn't a he was like, whereas Bronco Nagurski was like, sort of like a Shaquille O'Neal of the football at that time, like he was just in like unstoppable power, like they nobody you could not tackle him one on one, um, like just he was just overwhelmingly powerful wow. type of a player, but Dutch was like incredibly fast shifty smart he was hmm. he, he was like they, they equated him to like kind of like a napoleon on the field like okay. just an absolute just a brilliant field general um just inc- just incredibly smart on the field like dutch he was dutch was elite in like i mean he like he wasn't powerful at all but again in every other way he was an elite player right and so um so anyway so that's what so so he was the the core player on the spartans and uh, with the, you know with numerous other great players, of course, but um, but what happened was is that at the end of 1932, Dutch got this job to go be a coach right. at yeah Colorado College, and then when he uh, when he was when they went to the NFL championship game, which again was like an impromptu game, yeah. then the the college wouldn't release him from his contract, and so he couldn't make it back. So the Spartans got beat. And then the following year, 1933, he did not come back for the season. Dutch okay. was not there with the Spartans. Okay. And so without Dutch, the teams basically dropped. They still finished in second place, which was a very, you know, they were very competitive. Um, in fact, their um, uh, Glenn Presnell, who was their, you could call him really their second best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Presnell was their, became their number one guy and led the league in scoring, was like um, just, you know, he, you know, he did what he could. And the, the Spartans finished in second place. But um, so anyways... Uh, so nineteen, but nineteen thirty three is the final, is really the death knell of the Portsmouth Spartans because the city, it's again one of these smaller towns, and the Great Depression had absolutely ravaged uh. um, the city so badly that again they were just they were basically exchanging shares of stock for to, to players, not even exchanging, giving shares of stock in lieu of payment to these players, and shares of stock are might be nice for the future, but. Um, but at, you know, you can't eat shares of stocks. So yeah. That's yeah. What, that's you, know, you can't use shares of stock to pay your bills. You no. can try, but you can try. Yeah. You like, put them in your shoe to yeah, when like, you wear a I'll hole in your shoe. I'll trade you share of stock for, yeah, for, you know, my rent payment. No, and I'm yeah. really six too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it doesn't, so it doesn't work in that regard. So, so anyways, so this, so at the last, there's a, there's a, I have a quote in the book that talks about this and I wrote this whole scene in the movie, the scene at this scene in the movie really is the introduction to the lions in this, in the, uh, in this, in the screenplay or the, in this movie is this, um, is that, uh, uh, the team was about to completely fall apart. Like they were like, we're not making any money. Yeah. We're you know potentially going to get mangled on the field. You know what? We're not getting paid for potentially getting mangled. You know, yeah. And a lot of yeah, these guys yeah. are great. They could go to other teams. You know, potentially. Yeah. And so, so that's and so Potsy. This is where really the the you know we label this episode the genius of of George Clark because Potsy keeps this group together. 
I mean, he'd instilled such like they, they, they called it in a spirit decor where it's like these players are, you know, they feel like if I'm not going to play for Potsy and if I'm not going to play with these guys that I consider my brothers, then I'm not even going to play. Like wow. it's not, it's just not, you know, I, it's, you know, it was fun while it lasted, but if I'm not playing with these guys, then I'm not playing anywhere. Hmm. So that was the first thing. But the second thing was that he was able to not only create that, but also to keep them from just completely saying, okay, you know, I'm done, you know, like I'm not playing for anybody else, but I'm also not playing for you because I'm not getting paid. You know, also, you see what I'm saying? So like he was able to say, you know, you, I know you're not getting paid. I know it's, I know this sucks or whatever, but um, we are, but you know, we signed on to play this, you know, these fans are counting on you, you know, what fans we do have are, you know, counting on us. And so, you know, we get, you know, how, you know, we can't just abandon our, our organization, you know what I mean? Let's go out, you know, with like winning some games and stuff. And so they did. And he kept this team together. They played the entire season, wow. like the last few games, they didn't even get paid. And so, but, it, but it, nonetheless, the writing is on the wall that this is it for the Portsmouth Spartans. Mm-hmm. And now comes 1934. And this is where we really want to go with this episode today is focus on 1934. Okay. And 34 is... When we make the Tigers, the move, we make the move. The tie Mickey Cochran comes to Detroit. Yeah, all of a sudden things start to look, you know, start to uh, pop off in Detroit with the Tigers. And of course, baseball season comes sure. comes boys, before the, the NFL. boys of summer there. Exactly. And, uh, so summer is rocking in Detroit. Yeah. In the in the you know the Detroit what you know where Detroit at the end of 1933 was this like you know Great Depression ravaged area. The Tigers are terrible. There's nothing. There's really no sports to to, to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's just Gar Wood is the only big sports name. The Tigers are absolutely dreadful. But in 1934, everything changes. The Tigers are awesome. You know, they they they're coming out of the gate with Mickey Cochran. They got all this swagger. And then so there's so there's a, a radio. The WJR radio owner George Richards um, sees this. Uh, you know, sees this. You know, great thing. You know, the Tigers going crazy. And then at some point I wrote it in the screenplay where he basically <clears> – <throat> I can't attest to the veracity of this, but the idea was that he he sees that the that the Portsmouth Spartans, this great team, mm-hmm. are folding. Oh. And so that's a great team that's folding. And he gets this, this, this idea. What if we transplant this team to Detroit? Mm. And they're, they're competitive on the field just like – just like the Tigers are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, maybe this is because the NFL had failed at least three times prior to this. Um, sometimes you see the number four, because, but it's, something, it's like a, a franchise that was like the same franchise, whatever. But they failed at least three times prior to this to establish an NFL team in Detroit. And so here we are, like, the, you know, and these are the great, the, the, the times that they failed was in the Roaring Twenties. And so here we are in the Great Depression, and here's an opportunity. They're looking at it going... Well, if we can make, if we can bring this great team here, yeah. but if we can associate them with the Tigers, yeah. then we might be onto something. Right, we might right. be able to establish an NFL team. And I got a radio station that we yeah. can use to broadcast the games, yeah. and that was the genesis. And so when the so the Lions, um, and it, uh, did you put that? Do you have that photo? The one with the uh, the lion jumping over the through the hoop. Yeah, there we go. That is the newspaper. If anybody can see it, okay. if, if, if somebody's listening to it, uh, what we have on the screen is a um, is a newspaper from the Detroit Times. Where it's a it's a cartoon picture of a of a lion jumping over a alley yeah he's jumping over a goalpost and George Richards it's a cartoon picture of George Richards holding up a plate showing the this uh, New York Giants first game of uh, versus the versus Lions on September twenty third. Um, so, but anyways, and so I also, it's too small to even read if you do, if you can see it on the screen. So I'm yeah. going to read, so I want to read the quote that um, is up on top of the article so you can get a, a sort of a better idea. Um, so here is, so George Richards was who, who again? He's the owner of the WGR radio. Okay. Okay. Yep. 
All right. That's yep. funny. I was just, I was on a call earlier today. <laughs> right. With, um, because uh, I work at uh, the local pop station here in Detroit, 96.3 yeah. WDVD. We're owned by Cumulus and, and our sister station, WJR, yeah. uh, upstairs. And so uh, we were all, I was on the, it was like Mitch Album and uh, yeah. Paul W. Smith and Frank Beckman. Well, it's insane. Like we, were all, we were all like in a, in a big Zoom today, but Mitch Album, <laughs> he looks like Al Pacino now. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm like, Mitch, go hoo-ah. Yeah. <laughs> He's not kidding. I, did. <laughs> I didn't it. say it. Paul W. Smith actually said, you look like you have a porn mustache. And oh, I'm like, my oh, my God. God. You didn't. Oh my I go, God. He did. That's fantastic. Well, as I'm saying, a lot of these, that's what's, it's interesting because a lot of these things that exist today, yeah. you know, they have some of, you know, they're It's Genesis, a heritage station. It, all this, I mean, all this yeah. stuff, you know, like the movie we show that play ball, you know, yeah. that stuff dates, you know, you got Fisher Body Company is putting out the first MLB movie with sound. All these different things. I mean, there's connections with the past that are, you know, I mean, it's, it's more than, you know, the, a lot of this story is, you know, the roots of. Uh, you know of the, of these institutions that are in Detroit to this day, but so anyway, so here's the quote. This, so this so this article comes out that came out July twenty second, nineteen thirty four. Mm-hmm. At this exact moment, the Tigers were two games. The Tigers had a two game. They were in first place, and they had a two game lead over the New York Yankees. They were in first place. So this that that this is the the exact moment. So this is the article that came out. This is a little bit the first uh the first like paragraph. So um, so you can see, if you can't see the article, it says, Pro Grid team here is named the Detroit Lions. So this is the article that introduces the arrival of the Detroit Lions. In the very first few words by Burt Walker for the uh, Sunday, Sun, Detroit Sunday Times. So inspired by the spirited fight the Detroit Tigers are making for the American League Baseball Championship, sponsors of the Detroit professional football team have decided to call their entry to the National Football League the Detroit Lions. They would call this team the Tigers, perhaps, but that might create confusion. The lion is the monarch of the jungle, said Cy Houston, vice president and general manager of the team, and we hope to be monarch of the league. It is our ambition to make the lion as famous as the, De- as the Detroit ball club has made the tiger. So, you, so there can be absolutely no doubt, based on this quote, that the name Detroit Lions yeah. was based on the idea of the Tigers in 1934. <laughs> there can be no debate. Yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like the, ti- the Lions' arrival of the city – you know they're they're associating with this Detroit Tiger franchise. Like, why would you not? Yeah, you see? yeah, co-opted. Yeah. yeah, and so, but here's but so, the, but this is what you know. It's worth mentioning about this article. Um, so, if there was a new NFL team coming to a city in today's day and age, like, just pick a team that a city that doesn't have a team currently. Um, uh, what I don't even know. Like, uh, anyways, imagine if a city Cleveland. Was, no, I'm oh kidding. yeah, that's yeah. Well, you can, trust me. Cleveland people will say the same thing back to Detroit. So let's really? Not, let's not even go there. Let's not even go there. But like I say, they. But anyways, pick it. So so imagine a city that doesn't have a football team currently, and they um they in in you know an NFL team is coming to the city. Right. Okay. How big a news would that be? It's huge. Biggest thing on the there is right. It'd be wall to wall coverage. Yeah. This article comes out on page twelve. Uh. Okay. <laughs> so this article, yeah, you can actually see it on the top of the article, page twelve. They're announcing an NFL team coming to Detroit. Mm. That's the level that the NFL was back in this time. Okay. It was you know like especially like something with the Tigers going so insane. You know the right. Tigers. The, the first eleven pages were probably Detroit Tigers related. Okay? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. just found a coverage. But this is going to be a re- Recurring theme with this with this Lions Club, yeah. where they came in the city, you know, hoping to latch on to the, you know, like you say, for lack of a better concept, the, the coattails of the Tigers, sure. 
and they found a much a much ruder awakening, mm. which was that you know the, you know they they you know the team was going to be uh, associated with the Tigers by name. They're hoping to associate by deed, and then you know their best player Dutch Clark, who they lured out of retirement for 1934, was billed as the Ty Cobb of football. And we actually have a show up that um, that other picture with the uh, sports stamps. Oh, uh, sports stamps. Yeah, oh, the yeah, sports stamps. Uh, so the two pictures next to there. there yep. So yeah, so you see the sports stamps right there, where it's got Dutch Clark and Ty Cobb. And this this sports stamp was 1936. Uh-huh. But you can see how the you know the consistency there there was a um you know there were it was there was you know the idea was there's a new Ty Cobb in Detroit, but he doesn't play f- baseball. You got to come watch a Lions game sure. to see this new the next Ty the new Ty Cobb the Ty Cobb of football. Yeah. And so that's the idea is trying to associate. But the problem was again is that the Tigers were so wildly successful yeah. that they were in that they the Lions had to rive, rise up to incredible heights. Just to get past page just twelve, not to you be know? eclipsed. Yeah. Just to even get on, a, just to even get in the same newspaper as the Tigers. That became a recurring problem for them. Mm. Is that the bar of expectation because of the Tigers was raised so high right. that the you know this was a very talented team. They were fully capable of doing it, but it put you know that's what I'm saying. Like this, you know, like a lot of times a, a team comes into a city and they're like. Gee whiz! I hope we do well this year. Let's have put on a good show for the new fans, guys. Yeah. But no, this was like they were. If they did not play well, mm-hmm. if they did not compete for the number, you know, for an NFL championship, then nobody cares. Right? This right. is the city. This is becoming the city of champions, and you're either a champion and you're, you know, page three behind the Tigers, or you're not, and you're not even in the newspaper. Oh man! You know. So anyway, so that's what that's the you know that's the stage that is set. Yeah. And so anyway, so the Lions come in in 1934. And um, you know, to and immediately they so they again we we talk about the, the the they had lured Dutch Clark out of retirement. I was going to say, did we get Dutch Clark back? We got Dutch Clark back, oh. and the, and the George Richards in this ownership syndicate they spend fifteen thousand dollars. That's it for wow. the Lions, and they, they pay all the back salaries of all the players in that. Nice. Well, that's good. But so fifteen thousand, like like Mickey Cochran was purchased for a hundred thousand. <laughs> so they got the whole team for fifteen thousand. Wow. That's what's crazy. Is like it just shows you the difference, like. Right. I mean, just one player in baseball, you know. The, granted, the Hall of Fame player versus you know fifteen thousand dollars for this awesome whole franchise. Team, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so they bring him in. They they lure Dutch Clark out of retirement. They mm-hmm. make him one of the highest paid players in the NFL, which lures you know, just, you know goes a long way towards uh, you, lure, you know obviously luring him out of retirement. Mm-hmm. And another thing, um, uh, another thing that they do is um, is hold on a second, I gotta do this. Um, is uh, uh, and this is what this was. This was. Um, I just got to make sure I get the right um, name here. Hold on a second. Um, another thing that they do, which is yeah. Uh, hold on a second. So Dutch uh, areas right here. Okay, so so another thing they do is um is and this is what's even this is what's even I think as fascinating as anything that's sort of coming before is in nineteen is uh, is that they is they also get a player named Chuck Bernard from the University of Michigan. Okay. Okay. Chuck Bernard, I wish I don't even have my notes written down prepared for him. But Chuck Bernard is one of the most dominating college football players of all time. Okay. Chuck Bernard is awesome. And and like he led the University of Michigan like I think it was two undefeated seasons. I wish I had my notes in front of me to, to na- nail it down. But it's like look up Chuck Bernard. Mm-hmm. His st- his statistics are ridiculous at the University of Michigan. He's just I mean he's easily one of the most decorated college football players of all time. Okay. And Chuck Bernard so he signs with the Lions. Yeah. So like this is like basically like a number one. They didn't have the draft back then, but to get Chuck Bernard, 
He's a center. He plays center and middle line. And basically, when on the flip side, um, nose tackle, middle linebacker on the on defense. And so, because um, he'd basically just flip around on on um, you know from your offensive position to the to the uh, defense. But anyways, Chuck Bernard getting Chuck Bernard was just like a coup. Like it was like so big. This is like a number one overall draft pick type of thing. Okay. So to get him was just huge because he could sign with any team, but he stayed local. He signed with. He signed with the Lions. So you got this guy from U of M that wins a couple national championships. Even Gerald Ford played with Chuck Bernard. And they asked him, like, who was the best guy? He was like, Chuck Bernard was, like, the greatest player I've ever seen, uh. like, still to this day. And so anyways, the Lions get him to anchor this, you know, because a lot of you don't have two, you know, you'd have a, you know, players would substitute. Um, and so they, they had already had an all-world center in uh, Claire Randolph. And now they've got Chuck Bernard, who was rumored to be, and, and, they, they, the, and at this time, uh, the college they would have a college all star versus NFL championship game, so whoever won the NFL championship would play in a game uh, in Chicago against the uh, college all star squad. So imagine how cool that would be today. Imagine an NFL champion like um, you know an NFL champion comes in like the Chiefs for instance would play a, a squad of college all stars you know this upcoming season because the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl yeah. then they would face off against the college all stars and the college all stars would always give a good account of themselves they were good and, uh, and so but anyways Chuck Bernard had played on this college all star team and he was in like he played against Bronco Nagurski because the Bears had won the previous championship and he was sticking Bronco Nagurski by himself nice which we've already talked about he Bron- was a monster he would use you Six could not two, attempt just a, yeah you could not attempt to tackle him one on one but Chuck Bernard is out there sticking Bronco Nagurski that's when they're like they're like we gotta get this guy because yeah. the Bears have been such a handful for the Lions or for the Portsmouth Spartans and they do they sign him so anyways so you, you got Dutch back, you got Chuck Bernard coming off of University of Michigan. You know what I mean? There's excitement for those that are actually following the NFL, which is you know, you know, are, you know granted smaller than it is today, yeah. much smaller. Yeah. But the optimism for this team, you know, was like, dude, this is we're going to be they're going to be good, they're going to be real good. And in fact, they were very good. In fact, oh. so they were so good. They weren't. They went unscored upon in the oh. first seven games of the season. Holy crap! They won their first ten, and they got they were unscored upon for the first seven games. And so the, there's okay. there's numerous records that were that are associated with this with this Lions defensive team. Um, so, so to this, just, just to give you throw out a couple, if you look up uh, um, defensive records for the NFL, there this the, the 1934 Lions are peppered through with all kinds of different records like. Least amount of third quarter points, and you know all kinds of weird little yeah. stuff like that. But some of the bigger ones um, is that so they had seven straight shutouts. Okay, so I'm going to list you. There's only there's only um, a handful of teams that have had uh, shutouts seven seven straight shutouts ever. You got the 1920 and 1921 Akron Pros. So the first, you know, 1920-21, the first year of the NFL. Right. So 1920 Akron Pros had five straight shutouts. The 1921 Akron Pros had eight shutouts. Okay. okay, and then so after and so then you have the 1934 Ly- uh, Lions when yeah. they first come out of the gate with seven shutouts, and after that there's not another team that has even anywhere near they, the 1970 St. Louis Cardinals have three. Okay, nowhere near seven, obviously. Yeah. and then the 1976 uh, 1976 Steelers have three. So they're like to this day, like there's no. So technically, the 1921 Akron Pros have the most, right? 
But, um, you know, I mean, not nobody since the 1930s. They didn't know how to play yet. (laughs) Well, I don't want to dismiss what they did in 1921 because anybody could say, do the same, apply the same logic to anything we talk about on this. Yeah. Because they'll be like, oh, 34, they didn't know what they were, nobody knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? They're still playing against competition that was at least on the par as them. You know what I mean? So, so you know, in their day, they're playing against. Um, you know, competitors of their of their caliber. So, like I say, to dismiss them of that era, sure. of, you know, based on us, is to do this, is allow everybody to dismiss our story. Is being like, oh, nobody cares. That was back in the day. So um, I'm just mean, though. So yeah, that's... you are. Yeah. Let's, so, um, so anyway, so you've got um, you also so to this day, the so the Lions have the record for the most consecutive games without allowing a touchdown. So that's seven. That's fact. All right. So that even that even eliminates the the 1921 yeah. Akron. So most consecutive games without allowing a touchdown was seven. That's still the record. Um, and so, uh, so since 1935, the most games without allowing a touchdown is five mm-hmm. with the 1976 Steelers and mm-hmm. the 2000 Steelers tied it. So nobody's even come close to that seven games. You mm-hmm. see, um, and then um, also uh, the fewest rushing touchdowns, the fewest amount of rushing touchdowns um, uh, in a season, and that, that with only two. Two rushing touchdowns. They only give up two touchdowns on the ground in the whole season, the entire season. Yeah, and that's tied with the 1968 Cowboys and the 1971 Vikings. So that's, um, so uh, yeah, so that's actually, uh, yeah, so that, so that, so it's the fewest amount, and they're tied as like a three-way tie. So um, yeah, that's uh, um, I mean, those are just, and there's if you look it up, the the defensive records, the NFL history, like you'll just see the the 34 lines are just peppered all the way through, right? And you'll even see on offense, you'll see a couple other ones, um. So still, even being that good, it's incredible. They're, yeah, they're still they're still like page five news though. Yeah, they're like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're like well yeah it, actually yeah that's what I mean is like they're they're still they're they're basically relegated and I actually have a great quote to here too just to, here's another great example of, yeah. of that of that concept um, is that it's so this this article comes from. I actually met the. I've actually met, by the way, I've actually met Chuck Bernard Jr. Oh, his up. son, yeah, and I've also met the the, the son of the of the uh, of Abe Kushner, who is the guy who's the quote that we're going to. Abe Kushner was the Abby Kushner was the was the equipment ma- equipment manager. Yeah. And also Bernard lived doctor. in Dearborn until he died, like in '62. Yeah, he's a, did you know? He's from San Detroit. He, but he only his played in 1934. He right, only played right. in '34. Yeah, he didn't play with them in '35. He wasn't with the championship. But he came team. back. He came back. Yeah, he lived here afterwards. Yeah, must have loved the city. Yeah, for sure. So, um, anyways, where's this quote here? Uh, page three fifty three. So, um, so Abby Kushner was the like uh, basically like the, he was a trainer. He was a trainer and mm-hmm. like equipment guy for the Lions. And so, anyways, so this quote, this is a rare quote. You're not going to hear this anywhere else except for right here and in this book because this was unpublished. This is our oh. unpublished recollections by Abby Kushner because his because I, again I met his son mm. and his son had this had this uh, lion's trunk like a wooden. He was son. His his dad was very proud about being part of the lions. Oh my god! About being the lions at this time, yeah. and he had a trunk full of all this stuff that he donated to the NFL to the NFL um, museum. And so, like, I've got a picture of the trunk. I've got a picture of Abby. I've got so much stuff in here about. Right, Abby right. He Kushner. let you go through it first. No, he had oh. already donated, but I did oh. get a copy from the NFL. I did get oh. a copy from the archives. He had just donated. Like, I oh. just met him, and he's like, "Oh man, I wish I had met you a little bit earlier. I just donated this because we'd have a we'd have that. We set would up have as the bar over here. probably give it to us. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, who knows? But but anyways, yeah. So you know, he so he, his his son was you know his son is tremendous, and he was yeah. and he was really cool, and he helped me. Because the NFL, when I tried to open up, when I tried to get, because he had a, he had all those unpublished recollections, he had all yeah. these memories from the time. Sure. And so I tried to get a copy from the NFL from their archives, and they're like, "Who are you? 
where's your credentials? We are, are you, which major media are you with? I'm like, dude, they just donated it like last week. You know, like, let me get a copy of the recollection. Me, you, and him are the only people that know this. Yeah, exists. nobody knows about this. Who <laughs> else is going to do and anything who's gonna with want it? it? Yeah. So Come anyway, on. so so through his son, you know, through Abby's son, I was able to uh, get a copy of those unpublished recollections, and that's where these come from. That's mm. why you're not going to see them in any other book except for right here. Wow. So this is what you know. It, it, we're we're talking about the attendance of these Lions games, right, right? And so, um, so here it is right here. So the smallest. So this is Abby Kushner right here. The smallest crowd to see a Lion home game was the was the second game played in Detroit in 1934. It was a Saturday night affair, which we won six nothing in front of a crowd of 1,800 paying customers. There were more fans in the stands, but they came in on paper passes. Everything was tried to make the club look like it was catching on. Most folks, most folks know that the first seven games we played were won by shutouts. Still, the crowds kept away in droves, oh. and end zone seats went begging at fifty cents a ticket, which is like nothing. You know, I mean, even in back yeah. then, fifty cents is you know fifty cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it went the, the end zone seats went begging at fifty cents a ticket. Wow. So they were trying to. If so, if you look back at all the records for like the how many fans were in these games, the the numbers are like nine thousand. 12,000, you know what I mean? They did, but they, but they're the numbers where he's, he's even, you can even, you know, hear it out of his own words. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, you know, everything was done to make it look like we were big, but we were nothing. I mean, we were small, you know? And so, um, so anyways, yeah, so that's, you know, that's the situation that they're, they're doing phenomenally, but they're also doing it, um, you know, at the seven, at the, you know, at the same old, cause, um, as we mentioned in a previous episode, we spent an entire episode on that newspaper, right. their first game. Was comes right when the line, the Tigers are clinching the pennant. Yeah. And so they're like, you even showed in this is two days later. Lions, when they're a new NFL team wins their first game, two days later, there's t- not uh, even a mention. Yeah, yeah. They're not like, a follow up. Not looking at like, the next Yeah, game. we wrote about you yesterday. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's all you get. Yeah, you got your, you got your little box score in the <laughs> newspaper, but that's it. So, anyways, yeah. So, but, but nonetheless, the Lions are, are, you know, the, the newly born 1934 Lions are kicking rear end, man. Nice. They're kicking rear end. Perfect. So, yeah, so I'll just go through a kind of a little list, a couple of cool things. Oh, is uh, here's another record. This is yeah. it. I had to write this down to make sure we mention this. Is that in the, in the third game of the season, um, right after the – this is because uh, Abby Kushner's talking about that second game. The third game of the season is, uh, is on um, October 7th, or is on October 7th, and it's a 3 nothing victory over the Packers. Okay. Okay. Now that three points they scored in that game right. was a field goal kicked by Glenn Pressnell, who we've already been mentioned. But yeah. really, but you call him the second best player in the Lions. Okay. And so, anyway, so Glenn Pressnell kicks a fifty-four yard field goal. Okay. Just to put into context how how big that field goal was, that field goal stood as a record, an NFL record, until nineteen fifty-three. Jeez. That was the longest field goal in nineteen. How long was it? It was a 54-yard field 54 goal. 54-yard. 54 54-yard 54 field goal. 54 is still impressive today. Yes, it's a great, yeah, it's a great distance. 54-yard kick. So he kicks a, a th- to win a game 3 nothing against the Packers. Okay? <sighs> and so so they beat so the Packers, they beat the Packers. That record stood until 1953. Um, and I, I could try to pronounce his name. Burt Reichenar, Reichikar, 56 yards in 1953. But it stood as a Lions record yeah. until 1995. Wow! <laughs> when Jason Hansen kicked a 56 yarder, right? Yeah. So it stood as an NFL record. I actually remember that time. I don't yeah. remember it because necessarily I was into this story at that time, but I remember when Jason Hansen broke that, and I remember thinking to myself, "That's a long record." My God, That's a long it's been record. 1934 <laughs> since it was 60 something years since somebody yeah. kicked that field goal that big. And who has the record now? 
Uh, for the Lions? Yeah. Oh, well, pr- what is it? Prater. Yeah. Prater yeah. has it. Yeah. 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 yeah so sure. the Lions are really good at field goals. Yeah. Just well, they, they better be. <laughs> they better be. <laughs> yeah. No, they've always seemed like they always have like the one thing they always seem to have, like Eddie Murray or anybody mm-hmm. or Jason Hansen, is they always have like an elite field goal kicker. Right. Or like an elite punter. You know, like, yes, they do. Some guy yeah. that could just drop a ball in like the one inch line, you know. Like, I, I wish they had signed Kickalicious. Just oh, saying. I do, oh my God. You know who that is, Jamie? No. Kickalicious was a YouTube star that was like kicking balls with his heel, like oh drilling like 65 yard field goals. And making Sweden. it look like he was just. Oh, it was, yeah. he, he was really. No, good. he was like, he was like from Sweden or something. Yeah, and he yeah. was amazing. Just look at it. When you go home later, look up Kickalicious. Okay. And the, I'm telling you, when you watch him, you're like, oh my god, this guy's the great, gonna be the greatest NFL kicker of all you, time. You get, you get to yeah. uh, your opponent's forty five, fifty. Yeah, just give it to him. That's what I'm saying. Kick, like yeah. he can like kick it. Like this guy is kicking field goals from like the highway. Over yeah, they can just like hooking over into the. <laughs> it's craziness. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was a great, great little uh, interjection there. That kick alicious, and they did sign him. They did. And the, I remember when they signed yeah. him, I was like, yes. This is like the best signing like we've ever, you know, we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, but and then they didn't even then they caught him. Then they caught him. He didn't yeah. even do it. He was in the he was in uh, the expedition, the spring, the you know, the um, you know, the, the preseason games. Yeah, yeah. But he never actually made it into a real game. It was, like, it's on. very different when you have nobody running up on true, you. True, that's you that's know? true. But yeah. you think that they could have done a little bit of development, or else some other team would have picked them up and really you know, made something out of them. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, but the Lions have, you know, literally always had great kickers. I mean, all the way back to 1934 when you got, you know, Glenn Presnell booting a 54-yarder, you know, to beat the Packers 3 nothing. So anyways, that's so that, that's definitely worth a mention from this season. Um and then um I also have another quote from game 5. What time was that? I don't want to be wrong yeah. too late. Okay, so game 5. So this this is a great quote because it, it this is uh it, this is by uh it, this is a quote that has Mickey Cochran and JoJo White sitting in the crowd, and this is JoJo White from the Tigers telling, right. talking about this, um, about this team. Right. So, seen it for so Mickey Cochran, JoJo, Tigers JoJo taking a day off, heading well, over the game, to the... the season was over by this yeah. point. The, the oh, World okay, Series was over. Yeah, yep. yeah, World Series. October seventeenth is when this quote comes. All right. So this is uh, so that, yeah, like I say, this is after their um, the World Series over, but they t- took a break to watch a game before they all went south to you know to their hometowns. Yeah. Um. But uh. Anyways. But this is a great because it really dives in. It's in talk, and we were talking about Potsy Clark, and I love this right. because it it kind of uh, it kind of it kind of gives a verbal. It paints a nice verbal picture of this of like the precision of this team. And so, anyway, so this is so this quote comes for the game five where the Lions beat the uh, beat the Boston Redskins twenty four to nothing. And so this, so um, I'll just read it right, right ahead. So. Uh, Jojo White, Detroit Tigers center fielder, a little hollow-cheeked and peaked from having his tonsils jerked. Tonsils jerked. I must mean he must have had his tonsils, tonsillectomy or something. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So Jojo White, um, a little little hollow-cheeked and peaked from having his tonsils jerked, sat in the stands of University of Detroit Stadium and watched open-mouthed as the Detroit Lions shut out the Redskins. When it was all over, Jojo rolled his eyes and remarked admiringly, Ain't nobody going to get them Lions out. I've never seen such a football team. I've watched old Father Lumpkin tote a ball down in Georgia, but Lump just looks like one of the boys in there. I'm going down home to Georgia and get me some get me some bird shooting. I don't want to see any more football games this season. I've done seen all there is. There ain't no more, which is just JoJo's quaint way of paying tribute to excellence. Mickey Cochran, manager of the Tigers, was there too, and he got as much of a bang out of the game as JoJo. And so the header for this little quick paragraph, Lions' fifth consecutive shutout victory. 
The Lions were about as near to perfection as it is possible for one team to appear in a competitive contest. It was the fifth consecutive game that they have played without having their goal line crossed. That not only is a record for the National Football League, but in this day of wide-open football, it can be cataloged as a miracle. Even Leo McDonald, who was an original Lion man, didn't think Patsy Clark's pack could keep the Redskins from from scoring points. They not only kept kept the Reds from from scoring, but kept them from having the ball long enough to count the laces. Mm. And the Redskins are not the kind of football team that is shoved around that way every night in the week. Not with the backs like Ernie Pinkert, Cliff Battles, and Doug Wyckoff operating behind one of the biggest and strongest lines in football. So next little passage here. Detroit, Detroit, the last word in grid efficiency. The Lions have all about have about all that any coach could ask for, including superb kicking, flawless blocking, fast and elusive ball carrying, pr- speed and precision. Most of these Lions have played together for three to four years, and the finished product on U of D turf last night was just about the last word in gridiron efficiency. Hmm. Once the Lions took the ball on their own 27-yard line and crossed the goal line in exactly a half dozen plays, on that march, they used about every sound offensive measure in the book, selected with judgment and executed with marvelous precision. And the final little passage here, snap and precision make Lions perfect team. Clark is only one of a dozen similar stars with the Lions showed last night. Ernie, Ernie Cadell, Glenn Presnell, Frank Christensen, and Lumpkin are backs too glad in the heart of any coach. And when you have them all on the same team and clicking like the Lions clicked last night, you are very near the perfect football team. The line functioned in a manner wor- worthy of these great backs. There was a snap and precision to the things they did that one never sees on a college gridiron. Intercollegiate football may supply more glamour and excitement than the professional game, but for artistry and sheer competence, it, it will never equal the performance of a team like the Lions. Mm. As JoJo says, it is difficult to see how anyone is going to get them out. Mm. So it, it so really kind of yeah. snap, precision, excellence. I mean, this is a great football team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. And it, it talks a little bit about uh, college being a bit more popular oh, than, big time, yeah. than, than the pros. And he um, actually talks about that in there where he's saying, you know, the, the college game might be more popular than that, right. but it's got nothing on this pro game. Yeah. Because when he's saying, like, when you have these, these guys seasoned. who are all, you know, seasoned, you know, they're all former college stars, and to watch them operate the way that they do, you know, I mean, he's just, he's spelling, he's like, painting this picture and that's the other cool thing is um do we have a picture do we have some of the older pictures from the old shows but i had mm-hmm. those old um show the one with the uh with the with the with the um show the one with the uh, the, the numbers on it keep going up keep going up one um down one picture from your finger there you go that one so that right there is right out of Potsy clark's uh book he actually right. wrote a book on, on oh, football okay. and so that's a diagram play of the single wing offense and you can see in that picture anybody that's not watching unfortunately they might have to buy the book but um but this is actually watch out of the, this is out of the first yeah watch <laughs> right. that youtube yeah uh this is out of the first book and you can see the ball carrier going through the hole and how every player is just like you know there's like the, i mean it's a c it's like the red sea parting and there's yeah. a player coming out with a funnel to run through so that was like the that that's the way that like the textbook way that that play runs. Mm-hmm. Now flip to the next one, um, down one and over to the left. That one there you go. That's what it looks like in the game. Okay. Oh, and there so it is. look yeah. at that. So you can see. I mean, this is like take. I mean, this is an in-game photo. Of, this is an old. You know, this is t- taken off of a microfilm, so it's not the greatest image. But you can just see those players all the machine-like precision of this team. That's a single-wing mm-hmm. offense in action. And so, you know, look at, I mean, you can just see it with your right. own eyes, like the, the precision of that team. 
And so that that and that was Posse Clark football. Whereas the Bears were more of like a brutality type of a game, yeah. and the hmm. Packers were more of a the Packers surprisingly were more of a passing team, okay. even though that the because the, the, they had um, uh, uh, Arnie Herber and um, some of the, and the, the, they were Johnny Blood and some of these great uh, great Packers players. But they also had a, they also had some great um, running backs too. But anyways, they. Um, like Clark Hinkle, like like literally, we could do an entire episode on Clark Hinkle for the the Green Bay Packers. Like <laughs> yeah. you're talking about, you're talking about one of the great all time NFL studs that never gets mentioned. He's one of my favorite players. Wow. But anyways, but he was a Packers uh, running back, and um, but anyways, they uh, uh, but you can see like this is part of you know the the Packers were more of like a, a passing team, like more of a combination passing and running. The Bears were just brutality. Um, just pure brutality, and uh, the in the the Lions in the Portsmouth Spartans were precision. Precision was just discipline, 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 discipline. He alludes in there that the Lions players were monsters. That you know that that Father Lumpkin, um, who was their number one star, like one of their fan favorites. Well, Clark, Dutch Clark was their best player, but yeah. Father Lumpkin was their was their um like fan favorite. Like he was the most popular player on the team, and all this. And so, anyways, um, um. Uh, you know, he's like Lumpkin just looks like one of the boys in there. You know, he almost saying because Lumpkin was a big guy. That's what mm. he's saying. He's like he just kind of blends in with the rest. But like that's not entirely true because the Lions, like some of the guys, and like um, there's a guy named Ox Emerson for the for the Lions. He was he was their guard, mm-hmm. and this guy's like I'm bigger than him. Yeah. Like I'm five eleven <laughs> to you know take off a shuffle, regga, couple regga, pounds regga, on my regga, weight, regga, like two ten or something. <laughs> you know, like, this guy, you know, like this guy is, a sh- and he plays right next to Tarzan Christensen, who's one of the biggest guys in yeah. the league. Yeah. So I mean, you got like this, you know, Mutton Jeff look type of thing where one guy's small, one guy's huge, but they're. You know, but anyway, so you know, they had some smaller guys on this team, and so it was more about the precision. Um, you know, about the everybody knowing exactly what they're going to do and operating at. Peak it's not the size that matters; it's how you use it. Exactly. There All you right. go, man. Just making That's, sure yeah, I got that. You, you yeah. hit that right on the right on the head there, bud. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so we can uh, kind of zip through it because we got to run into. Yeah, we got about five, short. five, six minutes. Okay, so hang in there, guys. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, um. So anyways, I'll get so uh game 8 is when their streak is finally broken, okay? And it's broken in the very first quarter on a 40-yard touchdown pass from Joe Skladani to Hart Vaughn. Okay? So it's in the first quarter, the uh um they score the they uh they score the the Pittsburgh Pirates um score that score a 40-yard touchdown pass. And what's interesting is um so I got a great friend of mine named Tom Yurick who I'd love to actually bring on the show at some point. Sure. And he's a, just an absolute, obs- like he loves, he, 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 he recorded a, a series of interviews at the Lions Golden Huddle, mm. which was, it was a, uh, it was the 50th anniversary of the Lions first championship. So this is 1985 that he okay. did his recordings. Wow. And so there was a, there was like nine or 10 Lions players <sighs> there. And so he recorded it. And so I've got the recordings. Oh my God. Yeah. I've got the recordings. Like maybe we could play some on here at some point. I would, cool. I would love that. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. I'll yeah. just get you a we'll copy. We'll bring him you... on and, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, at the very some... least we can I'll give you a copy and then you listen to him. There's something you want to hear. Yeah. But anyways, um, so on those recordings they were joking on there because <laughs> they were talking about when Skladani threw that touchdown pass to Hart Vaughn okay. and broke their string. Oh. And so they were all they were they're all like, oh boy, did we show them. They're like we <laughs> He's like, we put our feet on their throats for this game. They won this game. Indeed, the score plays out forty to seven. Oh man! <laughs> the only touchdown they gave up, and they yeah. pounded them the rest of the game. He goes, they're actually on the tape saying, 
oh man, we just hammered the Pittsburgh the rest of the day. He's like, we had no mercy on. We these gave guys. up one. That's it. Yeah, like they were oh, furious because they stopped their streak. Uh, so that so yeah, so that streak comes to an end in game eight, but not without penalty to the Fires for breaking. It. Wow. Yep. And so anyway, so they they keep on winning. They game win game nine, seventeen to thirteen over the Chicago Cardinals. Uh, game ten, they beat the uh, St. Louis Gunners forty to seven. And then that, but then here's where the here's where it all basically falls apart for uh, the Lions. So they're at, so at this point they're ten and all. Right. They won every game, You're going right? all the way. And so they, now all of a sudden, though, this is what's interesting is is out of a sudden there's this idea that maybe Detroiters who have lost this heart wrenching World Series in 1934, granted a month or so earlier, sure, um, but that maybe there's like a consolation prize. Hey. <laughs> The Maybe NFL we'll championship, win some right? Yeah. The NFL championship. Well, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll take, take the NFL championship. That's cool. Sure. So they, you know, think they start kind of getting interested in this a little bit. Yeah. And so that, and so they you know, the coverage actually, you can see it in the newspapers. It starts to ramp up a little bit, but all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from underneath them. The game eleven, they lose three to nothing to the Packers, ah. the team that they beat three to nothing earlier in the season. Yeah. Well, tit for tat at that. Yeah, point. but three, three to nothing is not three like it's nothing. a blowout. Yeah. It was a, exactly. It was a, a battle. It was a yes, battle. That's it's, a barn burner. Is yeah, what that is. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so November 29th, so just three days later, is the first Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Oh yes. wow. Was that against the Bears? Against the Bears, the and they Bears. lose sixteen to nineteen oh. by three points to the Bears. So they lose the first Thanksgiving game. And this the Thanksgiving game, and this is worth a little aside, is that the Thanksgiving game was the genesis of, you know, the brainchild of George Richards right. with WJR Radio, mm-hmm. who had, you know, connects all through the industry. And this is the first football, uh, NFL pro football game broadcast coast to coast. Uh. And so he sets up this syndicate across the country. And this first Thanksgiving game is broadcast across the country. That's what I mean. Like, we still have the Lions still Amazing. playing the Thanksgiving today. Today, and yeah. you know what I mean, like you talk about an origin story. Yeah. 1934 is the first Thanksgiving game, and the Lions win. Or, I'm sorry, they they get beat. That's yeah, pull the rug from the field because they get still beat. No turducken, no turducken back then. <laughs> no I think that was turducken. an evolution. At least uh, I didn't see evidence of it. Maybe it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And then so and then game 13, so they lose against the Bears in in game 12 against Thanksgiving. But that loss eliminates them from the champion from any championship. Oh, that's great. Oh, Only gosh. two losses. They're eliminated from the championship consideration, and then the final game against the Bears, they lose against the Bears again, seven to ten. Wow! They had not beaten Three the Bears points. going Three into points. the after this. These two losses to the Bears that that made it so that the the Lions had not beaten the Bears since nine. I'm sorry, the, that franchise it was the Spartans. The Spartans and the Lions combined had not beaten the Bears since 1931. Oh. And this is all Years. happening in 1934. The 34, yeah. Okay. So now their Jeez. streak of losses to the Bears is extended. Now they haven't won, beat them since 1931. They lost the 1932 NFL championship game to the Bears. You know, the Bears are like now, like now they've just beat them on the first Thanksgiving game to eliminate mm. them. And they, you know, to rub salt into a wound, they beat them in the final game of the season too. You see what I'm saying? So uh. these are the, and so anybody that's a Lions fan, you know, a newly burgeoning Lions fan is going, what the hell happened? We yeah. were, you know, we were doing You're so away. well. Yeah. But now they're awakened to this idea yeah. of the rivalry, uh-huh. of the rivalry with the Packers, yeah, of the yeah. rivalry with the Bears, because they just pulled the rug out from underneath them. And they're uh. going, where are these two teams? You know, they're going, well, the Lions are good. They're real good. Mm-hmm. But they still haven't got past these two Packers and Bears. This mm. is what they have to overcome, these two teams. So this sets the stage for them. In 1935. Oh, yeah. Man. So this is, you know, this is I mean. So like, this is the, 
Um, do we have time for one picture? Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Throw this up there real quick. We can even start out with the next week, but otherwise, we'll, th- th- actually, the picture with Dutch Clark, the big headshot. Oh, this okay. one, yeah, yeah, we had him up That's earlier. Dutch. Yep. Yeah. So there, that right there is one of the most iconic photos in NFL history. Yeah, and you can see why. Yeah. I mean, just look at the. Just, I mean, I'm sorry for any of the viewers at home that are that are listening, but if you if you if you Google the American football player, you'll be able to see what we're talking about. Dutch right. Clark, the American. The, the the title, the photo was so iconic yeah. that it was given a name, and it was called the American football player, and it captures Dutch Clark in sort of a Roman gladiator type of a almost yeah. like a Roman gladiator look. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is just the perfect, and they actually say it in this that photo that's on our screen. Is taken out of a Time Life magazine from uh, what's the date I got on here for that? Uh, that that came out. So it first appeared in the Detroit uh, Detroit News, um, uh, the Detroit News uh, in 1934. I forgot what day that was, but um, where's the date for the? Oh, I put it on the bottom of the of the of the picture. Let me see. What is it? You can the person at home can see it better than I can. It's on yeah. the screen. <laughs> Um, the 34. Date, 34, but it's... 12, 28, 34. 12, 20, yeah, okay, so that was a Time Life magazine, so right after Christmas, 1934, that photo was seen across the country by, you know, in the Time Life magazine, and so it says in the photo, the perfect football face, and so that photo right there, as we were already talking about, you know, bringing the Dutch Clark was their Ty Cobb of football, uh-huh. and so this is, this, this photo is seen by a nation of readers who made again? They probably are looking at football as a second or third, you know, class sport as well. And now they all hear that there's a team called the Detroit Lions. Yeah, right. you see what I'm on. saying? So the brand, just that you know, this image yeah. was massively responsible for beginning this brand. Is like any NFL team that continues here is going to forever be the Lions. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's establishing this national presence. Just a simple photo, and I've always loved that. Like, ah. and it's a great. Uh, just let me. We can finish this episode with this last little quote because this is a. It's a quote by Dutch Clark where he talks about this photo oh, okay. of him getting his picture taken in oh. this. Yeah. So, um, so this is actually a page four hundred five here for those of you reading along at home. Page four hundred five. Page four hundred five. Oh, you got it nice and blown up in the book too. Yeah. It's oh yeah. This is a full, a full page. page. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and the photo is done by a guy named William Kunsel. Okay. And I've got an entire section in the book about William Kunsel photos. Some of the most iconic photos in Detroit sports history okay. are taken. Like, there's a picture of Ty Cobb sliding into third base. That is William Kunsel. Like any, pretty much any early 1900s iconic photo of Detroit sports that you see in like every book. Console guy. That was Console that did it. Right. He was that good. There's, I mean, he was an incredible photographer. <clears throat> so anyways, um, so, so anyway, so here's the quote. This is by Dutch Clark. It comes out of, out of a book. They throw him back up there. Yeah. Yep. There it comes out of a book called uh, Old Leather and it by, written by Chris Willis. And so um, this is Dutch Clark's own words. I was treated well by the Detroit fans and press. Once during practice, we had a photographer named Bill Kunsel from the Detroit News come out. He was taking photos for a story. Well, he took a photo of me from the side, a profile shot. I was just I was just kneeling on the sideline watching our defense run a few drills. Bill just snapped it. It turned out wonderful. It was in the photo section, and the newspaper got a ton of requests for the photo. It then appeared in Life magazine. I don't know whether he thought it, I was photogenic or what. He came out again and must have snapped 100 more, but he never had a good one like that first one. It was just something that happened. Oh wow! It was just that, like he so took a hundred more, and there's so many. I've actually nearly got. candid, so that's not really. Posed it was, it was and, just one yeah. of those photos. It's kind of yeah. like the flag, like the Iwo Jima f- uh, photo, where they right. took that picture of the flag going oh, up, and it just God. captured the nation. 
Like, I wouldn't say this was anywhere near that you know, yeah, iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this photo, when you see this, like, I mean, you can just it see it. It captures the time. It captures you the game. You can see, like, that photo. Like, yeah. I've done a lot of, like, graphic stuff with that. Um, in fact, I use it for the cover of the, uh, sc- the screen, one of the episodes of the screenplay. Um, you just can't help. But, you, I mean, it's just, it is an, an unbelievable photo i mean it like captures an era you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that guy i mean he looks like a roman gladiator with he a does. football helmet it really on. does so um yeah i mean that's so that like i say that photo did a great deal to spread the brand of the detroit lions so that story and a lot more that photo and a lot more all inside the trilogy of books detroit city of champions yep. and the website is also DetroitCityOfChampions.com. <laughs> so, Jamie and Charles, Matt Fox, we are uh, pleased you spent some time with us for these stories. We'll be back uh, with another one next time. So, uh, until then, uh, be well. Cheers. Have a great night, guys.